0: From PRX.
1: Today on Studio 360. You have to remember
2: that in the beginning of all of this, there was no bass, there was no guitar. The old, old old-time Gullah music traditions that inspired the band Ranky Tanky. You basically just had people that were singing, they were clapping their hands, and they were stomping their feet on wooden floors. That's the heartbeat of it all, that distinctive Gullah rhythm.
1: Ranky Tanky plays live right here. Plus, you don't have to be a dude to get drunk. (laughs) The opera singer Jamie Barton explains why she performs rowdy and romantic songs that were written for men.
3: You don't have to be a dude to be hitting on someone (laughs) and to have delusions, to have a rough evening with some alcohol.
1: That's ahead on Studio 360 right after this. This is Studio 360. I'm Kurt Anderson, and I'm sitting on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. This first level of garden. This is Thomas Jefferson's vegetable garden. I'd like to have the roasted chicken piece. Very well done. Editing is
3: all about timing.
4: I try to get a little bit away from the actual subject. You must get sick of your own voice, right? Studio
3: 360
4: with Kurt Anderson.
1: This is Ranky Tanky, who are a five-piece band that formed just a few years ago in Charleston, South Carolina, building on the music of the regional black Gullah culture. They're performing a song called Freedom for us in our studio. Ranky Tanky, playing their song Freedom. Before we go any further, I would like each of you uh, to identify yourself, starting with
2: Charlton Singleton, trumpet and vocal.
3: Kiana Parler, lead vocals.
4: Clay Ross, guitar and vocal. Kevin Hamilton, bass.
5: Quentin Baxter, and drums.
1: Uh, and they are ranky-tanky. I-, I love this music as soon as it was introduced to me. And I listened to it before I really knew very much about the stew of influences that your songs bring together. One can say, oh, yeah, I hear some jazz. Oh, I hear some soul. Oh, I hear some gospel. But the main chord, the main piece, is Gullah music, right? Yes. Correct. Absolutely. So, Charlton. Yes. Uh, tell me, what... what What's Gullah? Well, Gullah. uh, (laughs) uh, uh, Well, it it
2: all starts with the corridor, the affectionately known as the Gullah Geechee corridor, meaning
1: down in Georgia and South Carolina. Well,
2: actually, it stretches from the southern coast of North Carolina and it goes down the coast to the top of Florida, and you have all these little sea islands like off of the coast of South Carolina Uh and Georgia area. But on these islands, um, many many years ago, you had former uh, West African slaves that lived there. And so their infused dialect, uh, the way that they uh, praised, the way that they uh, did arts and crafts, the way that they prepared food, the way that they worshipped, all of those things sort of made up the Gullah culture.
1: And, and, and it remained distinct in a way that other African subcultures didn't for Hundreds of years?
2: Definitely. And it's still very um, relevant today. Descendants of the Gullah community. I mean, you're you're in the presence of four of them right now, but the Gullah community... You mean
1: this white dude is not one of you? Is Um, that what you're saying? You know, Clay
2: Clay says it pretty good. He says he's a a disciple of it as we... He's a
4: convert? Well, yeah. I guess I'm I'm lucky to have been adopted by these guys, yeah. and and they accept me into the family. But uh, yes, I'm a, I'm a disciple of the music, and and not a descendant of the uh-huh. music.
1: And is is Ranky Tanky a Gullah phrase, or or just you guys just made it up? Yeah,
4: Ranky Tanky is referenced in a song. Uh, called Ranky Tanky, uh, that says pain in my head, Ranky Tanky, pain in my feet, Ranky Tanky. To us, that translates as work it, get funky. You know, shake out those uh, bad feelings. You
2: know, those kinks, N- those whatever. Kinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's a great name because, as I've realized, it's really fun to say. That you hey, know, too, Yeah, we think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, so. Uh, you four people are descendants of Gullah culture. Was that was that a thing when you were all growing up, like, oh, that's what I am? Was that part of your actual identity?
5: I'm Quentin speaking now. Uh, we knew what Gullah was. We knew that we spoke differently uh, as soon as we <laughs> pretty much got into schools and we had teachers from off or not from yard so from off meaning aw- not from away right these parts so when i had a teacher tell me she said you all sound funny here you talk funny and we looked at her like lady you're the one who sounds funny you know uh, but that was the beginning of us knowing that we did have a distinct cadence a uh, distinct language and uh, whether we were speaking the language or if we were speaking uh, more in english base but with the same cadence right so, yeah. And
1: and is Golo music in its pure and traditional form still performed around where you all live?
2: Absolutely. Uh, you can go anywhere up and down the coast and, and go into any uh, traditional African-American church, and you'll find that rhythm that's there. It's the heartbeat of, of the community, definitely.
1: So how'd you all get together and start playing together? Did you grow up together? Did you know each other? How did Ranky Tanky come to be? Uh, we have known
4: each other for over 20 years when we were in our— Early adulthood, we were really fortunate enough to all be in and around Charleston, South Carolina, many of us studying at the College of Charleston, students of jazz, music, and actually the four of us, Charlton, Quentin, Kevin, and myself, Clay, uh, we had a jazz quartet together in the mid-90s, and it bonded us together in a really strong way so that even as we went away from one another over the next decade and a half...
1: Oh, really? So you, you had a band, and then you got back together? Yeah,
4: more or less. I mean, this band, Rinky Tanky, is built on 20 years of friendship, uh, mutual respect, and knowing what we can do together as musicians. And Kiana was an absolute natural fit.
1: And so the idea of coming back together and creating this Gullah-based group,
4: that was your idea? It was, based on my experiences as a musician in the roots music world. And I saw that no one was representing Gullah and the culture of South Carolina. Gotcha. And so I wanted to share that with the world. I felt that it was something very special that we could offer. And so
1: when Clay came to you and said, hey, this is my idea, what do you think? What what, what, what was your idea?
2: (laughs) At first, uh, I was a little uh, skeptical about it because uh, just growing up, I always just musically in our community, I just thought that was sort of the norm. The way that Clay presented it to us and said, you know, we could put our personalities into the music and not it just be in its purest form. Like I was used to hearing it. That's when I said to myself, oh, this sounds like something that we could make, you know, happen. Right. You know, different, but still paying respect to the culture.
1: Um, May we hear another song? Absolutely. Absolutely, And this one's called what?
4: I think we're gonna do good time for you now. This is the title track off of our album that came out in July. Good
0: time, a good time, we, we gon' have, have a time. Good time, a good time, we, we gon' have a time. Good time, a good time, we, we gon' have a
6: time.
0: Good time, a good time, we gon' have a time. Good time on good time we, we gonna, gonna have, have a time, time. good time on good time we gonna have a time good time on good time we gonna have a time when we all, all get together we gonna have a time Heart, Shake it. Arrive into me. Shake it. Oh, rare rabbit. Shake it. Shake it in the tree. Shake it. Shake it in the mattress. Shake it. Shake it in the money bank. Shake it. Shake chicken in the yard, shake scratching up peas, way down yonder, where I come from Shake The girls love boys, shake I like a hog loves corn Shake With a habit Shake it In my garden Shake it Eating up cabbage Shake it One of these days Shake it, it won't be long Shake it You look for me here Shake it And I'll be gone time
1: That was Ranky Tanky performing their song, Good Time. So I want to break apart, deconstruct this music of yours a little bit. Um, so that last song, Good Time, where's the Gullah part of that song?
2: Everything starts with the beat. There is a distinctive Gullah beat. There are several um, ways you can deconstruct it. There is the... and then. In the middle of that you can have what we call a half clap. You could have zoom chum 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 chump chom 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 chomp chomp then the full Zump chomp jump zoom chomp and in that song You can hear elements of all three of those at some point or another. There's also uh, the use of Quentin's tambourine, which is very prevalent in this music as well. You have to remember that in the beginning of all of this, there was no bass, there was no guitar, you know. There
1: weren't instruments. Right. You basically
2: just had people that were singing, they were clapping their hands, and they were stomping their feet on wooden floors. Yeah. And so that's the heartbeat of it all. And in all of our songs you can find some sort of Gullah rhythm um, or that distinctive Gullah rhythm. And so that's what is the constant thread
5: in everything.
1: And when I, when I look it up and I read about it, it says, oh, it's all about polyrhythms. What does
5: polyrhythm mean? It means many rhythms happening. The Quentin speaking. Poly means many. <laughs> uh, so there are several layers. I'm um, Just like in every culture of the African diaspora, you will find layers of rhythms that happen. You have a bass rhythm. You have a lot of middle rhythms, um, and they all have their own names. And then a lot of times within a drum group or um, within any type of hierarchy of a church situation, you'll have the soloist or the person who's the lead person who actually gives the signal to change the rhythms or gives the signal to speed the song up. You know, so sometimes we, when we line hymns, sometimes the songs are almost rubato like, but there's definitely a flow. And then the one clap or the half clap, and then we, it develops. It still stays in a tempo. Uh, and then towards the end of some of these hymns, the person who's leading that song will signify when we actually go straight to double time. Kind of like flamenco with, um, you know, when going from one style of, of solarius into buladius. it's it's a lot of these things have so much in common in that way where it's really the final part of the song takes it through the roof. Right. You know, so.
1: Well you mentioned flamenco and I'm interested in other places, other music, other music of the African diaspora, maybe. Jazz, say, where where we hear these bits. I mean, you know, gullah is distinct and singular, but it's but it's not as though these these techniques are, are exclusive to Gullah music. Well, right? no.
5: Um, well, the thing to know, and what's important to know about the Gullah um, contributions or the place of Gullah, is it serves as the informant to a lot of the music that you will hear. So you mentioned jazz. And a strong emphasis of two and fours in our music as well. And Charleston as a cradle, not, not necessarily arguably the birthplace because that's New Orleans. But what Charleston and New Orleans have in common as sister cities and the contributions into the music and the musicians, they were inspired yeah. by the levels of improvisation and um skill
1: yeah can you since you've got the drum set can I you I have the drum set can you can you <laughs> can you demonstrate what we're talking about in terms of the various the various rhythms and situations
5: so um, when we were talking about the half clap i'll just do some some variations of all of what we just talked about And that's just, that would be like three people. When we played this song, I started off with the tambourine. Uh So you'll hear some polyrhythms as a lead player now. It goes on and on and on
1: well i'm telling you as you were just doing that i i heard like wow that's not just a cousin
5: of new orleans that's that's a sibling I, I, absolutely the sister, know, sister yeah, um, yeah, well, yeah. The, the big difference between what we do and um a lot of cultures um, when it's really based on its ostinato our ostinato is a ostinato. I don't know, one measure ostinato one it? two oh. three four one two uh-huh. three it's the reoccurring rhythm uh-huh. three four where and new orleans Three, four, two, two, three, four, one, two, huh. three, four. I get three. it. However, what you find, the more similar um, rhythms that you hear in New Orleans would be more Zydeco-based. Um, and the rhythms of the, the Gullah culture, along with the ry- rhythms of Northeastern Brazil, and now we're starting to talk about cultures that actually ha- share that same mother, that, that mother beat, you know, from Africa. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when you mentioned two four, what did that? What do you? What, what does that mean? It beats beats two and four. So when we're playing jazz, it's one two three four one two three four. So you have that lilt. Yep.
1: Yep. Huh. And uh, call and response is part of absolutely what you're doing here as well, right? Yes. Explain what that means.
2: Well, it I was evident in in the, in the last song that yeah. we did. You know, Clay said, "Good time, a good time." we answered we gonna have a time you know the call and response it's um definitely a major part of the Gullah culture you have the leader that would raise up a song and basically give everyone you know some sort of uh, part to sing whether it was in the lyrics or whether it was in the rhythm or some form of fashion like that it just depended on on who that person was and their hierarchy in the church, you know. So. Well,
1: and it's funny. I mean, you you keep talking. Both of you kept talking about the church, and of course, the the call and response in in the black church is is yes. Not, I don't know if everything, but it's it's central. It, which came first, the the church or or the or the music? You know.
5: Um, well, that's 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 funny. I would say the music. Yeah. Um, because this music, and when you really look at a lot of music, whether it's rhyme, blues, or whatever. Um, You can trace it back far enough to Africa without a church. So absolutely, the music, the congregation had congregated already. The missionary work that was successful was a lot of descendants and a lot of African-Americans, a lot of blacks coming together in a church saying, okay, Christianity is going to be our thing basically our thing, and we're going to take these songs and we're going to do our thing to it. And so the music married the message in that way. Gotcha.
1: Um, you guys are great, and uh, I love your music. And Charlton and Kiana and Clay and Kevin and Quentin, thank you very much. Thank oh, a you. Pleasure. Thanks, Thanks for, for thank having you. us. Will you play us out with one more song?
4: Of course, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're going to do a, a, an original song of ours, also on our our new album, Good Time. This is called All for You.
0: Up so I can dirty my plate. Ain't go catch no fish, let you use the right bait. Up in the house, singing shoe value. I'm over yonder waiting till you get it through. Sorry, but I got me something better to do. Been on that room, hopped in your seat, gave your legs some more room. On my right shoulder, where they keep the full moon. Struggling in the vineyard, ain't gathering no grapes. Toss them in the basket, father, making his bait. Banner straighten up, for it's getting too late. All for you, all for you, all for you, yeah, all for you. all my loving, it's all for you. All for you, all for you, all for you, yeah, all for you. Oh my love and it's all for you.
1: That is all for you off Ranky Tanky's latest album, Good Time, performed live in Studio 360. The album is out now and you can catch Ranky Tanky on tour across America now through the spring. And if you happen to be in New York City, they are playing at Sony Hall on January 13th. Our session was engineered by Irene Trudell at WNYC. Coming up. Never made it as a wise man. Another band one one that everyone loves to hate. But a band that comedian Tig Nutaro loves The case for Nickelback That's next on studio
6: 360. Studio 360) I'm through standing in line, the clubs i will never get in. It's like the bottom of the ninth, and I'm never gonna win this. Life hasn't turned out quite the way I want it to be.
1: This is Nickelback, the Canadian rock band that is hugely popular and widely despised by not just rock snobs. But the comedian Tignataro? Disagrees. We spoke with her for our latest installment of our series called Guilty Pleasures.
5: Why does this
6: instantly make people sick? The
5: only thing I want to hear right now is the sweet sound of this Nickelback CD cracking as I drive over it repeatedly. No one talks about the studies that show that
6: bad music makes people violent. Like Nickelback makes me want to kill (laughs) Nickelback. Why
0: does everybody hate Nickelback? That's the million dollar question. Well, it's mostly because they
6: suck. Eyes get so red? The is
7: I don't know why I like this song so much. <laughs> it's just a really fun listen. The song is an intense piece of nostalgia of growing up having your ups and downs in your town and just peeling out of there thinking that possibly it was someplace you'd never return to but looking back makes you laugh my name is Tignotaro. I am a comedian and my guilty pleasure is the song Photograph by Nickelback you can absolutely genuinely love something and also find it funny the humor that i feel when i hear this song is how intense his voice is and how nostalgic he feels Every memory of looking out the back door, I have the photo album spread out on my bedroom floor. See, there's so much imagery here. And looking at the singer and his intensity and picturing him looking out his back door and then spreading his photo album out on his bedroom floor, I'm assuming this is as a grown man. I would love to walk in on that moment. It feels like somebody that's just, like, has an intense face expression pointing at you. Not a smile on his face. Almost angry that he has these wonderful memories. It's a good line. Kim's the first girl I kissed. I was so nervous I nearly missed. That's not true. There's no way that's a true line. Old tiny face Kim. Why is this song so good? Who hates this? Music was and is just a huge part of my life. A lot of my childhood memories are tied to my mother turning up songs on the radio, and her love for particular songs made me love them. And every morning when my wife and kids get up, that's how we start our day, as we turn on the speakers throughout the house. and play music and it's, it's a nice way to begin the day and I guess it's older music that we play anywhere from Simon and Garfunkel Tom, right
6: the
7: to Patty Griffin
6: up to, the to
7: Glenn Campbell
6: Southern Have you ever felt a Southern Indigo Girls I
7: Those are a lot of the favorites in the morning. I don't have any real shame in my love for music. That was Taylor Dane. Do you know who Taylor Dana? is? No? She's a pop singer in the late 80s, early 90s. She sang Love Will Lead You Back. She's saying, tell it to my heart. Anyway, I love Taylor Dane. And not ironically. I love Taylor Dane. When I hear comedians making fun of Nickelback, it kind of bores me. It feels like low-hanging fruit if Nickelback is a punchline. But I'm happy to to hang on the tree with Nickelback. I really don't know why they're so hated. I really don't know what it is. Uh, There's so many silly or cheesy pop songs and singers and so many get a free ride and a free ticket and nobody thinks twice and then every now and then a band or song comes along and people are like they're the worst or this is the worst song or they're so cheesy or and (laughs) it's just like then don't listen to them why do you care why do you have to why do you have to try and take them down it's the same with other Comedians or artists in general It's like, eh, then don't listen, don't watch That's how I feel Maybe if I did a deep dive on Nickelback I'd come out going Oh boy, you know (laughs) Turns out I am embarrassed I don't want to hear any Mean things about Nickelback This is a group of people that wrote music, put it out there, and music is just, it is like comedy. It's You can't defend it and say, no, it is funny. No, this comedian is funny. This band is great. This song is so catchy. I wouldn't waste my time on that. If somebody... If if somebody doesn't get it, then they don't get it. And I don't know that Nickelback needs me out there defending them. I imagine they never need to work another day in their lives. But for those that do feel it and do get it, how great for them.
6: <laughs>
7: that song, nobody's going to make me hate it. It's not possible. Because, you know, this song brings me a lot of joy. I feel like other comedians, I guess they could make fun of me (laughs) and I guess they don't care. Well, I know I for sure don't care. I love Nickelback. Everyone can go to hell.
1: was the comedian Tig Notaro. The second season of her web series Under a Rock is available on Funnier or Die. You can see her perform on her stand-up tour through May and find out where and when at Studio360.org. Studio 360's Morgan Flannery produced our story. So what is something unfashionable or unpopular or just not the sort of thing that someone like you is supposed to love, but you do? that is your guilty pleasure and we want to hear about it so tell us all about it in a voice memo or email and send that to incoming at studio360.org
7: Can we rewind it and hear the song again please? (laughs)
6: Look at this photograph
1: Coming up (laughs) Why Jamie Barton is performing songs that weren't written for her for any her.
3: I wanted to take songs that were written by men, for men, um, and for me as a bisexual human, you know, experience singing Fidele to a a beautiful woman in the grass.
1: An opera singer on her first trouser roll. That's next on Studio 360.
6: Studio
1: 360. The mezzo-soprano Jamie Barton sings Wagner and Verity with power and precision, and opera people rave on and on about the warmth of her performances. She is a rising star, but this season she's playing the part of a grieving man searching for his beloved in the Metropolitan Opera's production of Gluck's Orfeo and Eurydice. The role of Orfeo is Barton's first so-called trouser role. That's when a young male character is played and sung by a woman. And it's a tradition that can nicely play around with the risque bits of operatic storytelling, which completely suits Barton, who has been frank about her views on sexuality and body image in classical performance. She and the pianist Kathleen Kelly have created what they call a feminist recital that, subverts gender and musical conventions. They sat down with Slate's June Thomas to talk about that show and perform some songs from it.
8: Jamie Barton has a personality as big as her voice. Her Twitter bio reads, Proudly queer opera singer into sci-fi, drag queens, bluegrass, social justice, equality, and cats. So it should come as no surprise that when it came time to put together a classical recital, her selection process was both intensely personal and pointedly political. The programme that she and pianist Kathleen Kelly developed celebrates women, songs by women, songs about women, and to end the recital, a number of love poems that were originally written for men to sing to women. The first of that section is from a song cycle that Maurice Ravel wrote in the early 1930s, based on the Don Quixote story. Barton chose to sing the Chanson à Bois, a drinking song in which the tipsy knight tells a brown-haired maiden, I drink to joy. Out of all of the pieces, this is the one that men have
3: done. This is the one that women have not had access to. The reasons why are, are because of performance practices, the, the character itself. But then I started thinking of the story that's being told in this particular song. And I, listen, I went to grad school. I've been in a bar. I, <laughs> You don't have to be a dude to get drunk. <laughs> you don't have to be a dude to be hitting on someone. <laughs> and and to to have delusions to 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 have a, a rough evening with some alcohol, S- taking the story right back down to the kernel of truth, this is absolutely an experience a woman could have. There is nothing about this that is specifically male-centric. This was the piece that I was like, "Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm a woman, and I'm gonna do this."? <laughs>
8: Performing in a recital setting rather than on the crowded stage of a huge opera house gives Barton a chance to make a direct connection with the audience. I love reaching out and seeing
3: the people's faces. I love getting to talk with them at different points. I do mention my own bisexual swing because by visibility is very important to me. And I think it's really important to put that aspect of it out. Um, but I really do try to let the audience live in the music in their own ways. And the difference with this recital and kind of really making uh, a concerted effort to be true to myself in an effort to help the audience step a little closer to being true to themselves is that I get to live this in a way that means something very personal to me. That openness is especially apparent when it comes to those love songs. I wanted to take songs that were written by men, for men, um, and for me as a bisexual human, uh, experience those songs, you know, experience
8: singing Fidile to a, a beautiful woman in the grass. Fidilet was written by the French composer Henri Duparc in 1882. Duparc's glorious romantic music is the perfect setting for a love poem by Leconte de Lille. In the, the setting of the recital, the first song of the
3: Bent group is the Revelle, which is a drinking song. And so there's, I remember the first time that we did this uh, in Boston yeah. and coming off of the drinking song, which was always just a lot of fun, a lot of French, but a lot of fun. <laughs> and coming out of that and having the moment of, oh, now I need to get my heart rate down. The first page of Fidile is just chord, 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 as if you're saying something, but you don't want the person who's sleeping next to you to wake up. So you really have to get to that, like, inner quiet kind of place. was the first du Park song I ever heard. And what struck me as just so unique and beautiful was that this is a song that is almost a, a scene. It goes through different pathways, different emotional pathways of this person who is sitting on a hill and their beloved is next to them sleeping, and they just want to kiss them. this moment uh, towards the end where the piano just starts to rumble and it just starts to go and you feel this desire bubbling up in this person, this, this want to be with them and this knowledge that they're going to protect this person from any harm. They get to uh, be the sleeping beauty next to the person and uh, be loved and cherished uh, in that moment, even while they're asleep. Then the Strauss that we end with is actually one that Strauss wrote for his wife uh, on the day of their wedding. I believe it was one of his wedding presents to her. Women do this piece; it's not one that is uh, unheard of in that way. But to take something you know that that was really written for a woman, for uh, the showing of love and really kind of putting it out there that the showing of love, you know, can have so many different meanings and so many different ways to it. Uh, it just made a lot of sense to be the the final moment on the recital for me. It means something very different to me to be singing Fidile or the Ravel or the Strauss. It's, these are different sorts of imaginings. If I think of the Strauss and I think of singing this on a wedding day to my wife, that puts it in a different place for me. There is a, a bit of queer pride. There is a bit of understanding that this story is personal to me and not necessarily just something that I'm interpreting from a page of music. Uh, that personal swing, I think, gives it a, another depth of interpretation. And it's really cool to, quite honestly, live in a world where that is possible, where I can stand up and say, I'm bisexual. This music means something to me, even though it was written for straight people, this, this music means something to me, and it could mean
8: something to so many people out there. Being in a small studio with Barton and Kelly, I got a close-up look at the extraordinarily intimate connection they share while performing. They occasionally made eye contact, but I could tell that that was just a small part of the signals they were giving and receiving. Can you describe that feeling of, of collaboration? So much of it has to do with breath,
3: time and breath. Each piece is a collection of languages, the language of the tune and the language of the words. If you both know the text, you can take a breath and an attitude and a good partner can see where you're going to go. It used to be my barometer for if it was a great recital was if I got out there and I sang all the right words and I got all those notes. And now that's really kind of fallen to the back of the list for me, if I get out there and me and Kathy have one of those like insane evenings where we're on the same page, we're breathing at the same time, I know she's going to catch me, you know, and and we're both going to hand in hand give this recital. When it comes right down to it, I come from a farm in the middle of nowhere My parents didn't listen to classical music. We listened to a lot of bluegrass and classic rock. But, like, classical music wasn't a part of my life until college. And if I can find connection in classical music that changes my life, then I know that people from all walks of life can. And I want those doors to be wide open.
1: That's Jamie Barton and Kathleen Kelly, who are touring their recital around the world from San Francisco to London to Morrow, Georgia. June Thomas produced our story with production assistance from Tommy Bazarian and Irene Trudel at WNYC. And that is it for this week's show. Studio 360 is a production of PRI, Public Radio International, in association with Slate. Our production team is
0: Jocelyn Gonzalez.
1: Andrew Adam Newman.
0: Sandra Lopez Monsalves.
1: Evan
6: Chung,
7: Zoe Saunders.
6: Sam Kim.
0: Morgan Flannery.
6: Tommy Bazarian.
7: I'm Kurt Anderson. He feels like somebody that's just like has a intense face expression pointing at you. Thanks very much for listening.
6: I, Public Radio International.
1: Next time on Studio 360. West Side Story actually started something. How West Side Story changed the rules about musicals having to be upbeat. It gave permission for things like Cabaret and then things like Company
2: and Follies and then things like Fun Home and Dear Evan Hansen.
1: How West Side Story got made and why it keeps getting remade. Next time on Studio 360.